Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you saw this, but he was just sitting on the field after, and he's kind of questioning the season and questioning everything that's happening. He's kind of on his own sitting there, and nobody else is there. And all of a sudden, he hears like an older gentleman clear his throat behind him, and he turns around, and kind of in the stadium lights that are kind of flickering and going out, uh, this guy has like the hat, and he looks so much like the statue of Vince Lombardi. And so Rodgers kind of takes a beat and like looks at him, and he's like, son, I watched your game. I've watched your season. I, I think I can help you. And so Rodgers is like, oh, oh, really? Like, are, are you the coach? Are you coach? He's like, no, I'm an eye doctor. Okay, there we go. Okay, good. There's that terrifying pause for a second, but that's good. So, happy Sunday before Thanksgiving. I love that video. I've lived part of that video. Uh, as you know, uh, I have a special re little reason to be thankful uh, with me this weekend. I was there this weekend. We had a lot of fun. I might talk about that later. Um, but regardless, I love what they said at the end of that video about Thanksgiving coming before Christmas so that we're reminded of what we have to be thankful for. And there's so much. And a lot of that goes with a lot of what we've talked about lately, just things about changing our mindset, changing our focus, changing the way we look at things, changing the way we think about things, all the way back through upside down and just through everything that we've been gearing up towards Christmas, towards this time of year where people are so receptive. And I think one of the things that we as Christians think is, oh, well, yeah, around Christmas and Easter, people are very, very receptive because it's everybody knows what Christmas is about and everybody knows what Easter is about. And so they're just, they're more ready to go to church. That might be part of it. I think the bigger reason is that we as Christians act a lot more Christian around Christmas and Easter. Like we're, we're much more kind and we're much more loving or we're much less judgmental because we really have that focus in mind. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I'm going to start with Luke chapter 7. Verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman uh, from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. So to start with, and I know we get a negative glimpse of the Pharisee there, but whether or not he was looking to learn, and some of the Pharisees were willing to listen to Jesus. They were willing to at least uh, hear him out, like Nicodemus, who had a pretty good relationship with him. So whether or not this Pharisee was looking to learn or just kind of keeping his enemies close or trying to trap him, regardless, he was allowing Jesus into his home, which is the major first step. And so while they're there eating, uh, this woman came in. Now, some people think that it's Mary Magdalene. There's really no evidence to that. A little later in the Bible, um, we see that there's a different Mary, Lazarus's sister, who uh, also does a similar thing. But regardless, all we know about this woman, all we know about this woman is that it calls her immoral. In some translations, it says she's a sinner. And so for that to be pointed out means that it's of note, means that it goes above and beyond regular sin. It goes above and beyond what we would think of. And so it was worthy of pointing out. And so we look at that, and we think, okay, well, the world defines her as a sinner. The world defines her as immoral. The world defines her in this way. And so we immediately have this, this negative view of her before she pours the perfume. However, even with that, even before the perfume, we see something amazing. Because it took tremendous courage 
and tremendous faith and just absolute love for Jesus to walk into a Pharisee's home. She was obviously a known sinner, and yet she still walked into a Pharisee's home knowing how they were with people, knowing the kind of judgment she would receive, knowing that, that who knows what he could have done to her. He could have had her thrown in jail or, or worse, and yet she walked in there because she was so just in awe of Jesus. She loved him so much that nothing could keep her away. And that's such a powerful illustration for us. It's such a powerful example for us to, to know that no matter what we've done in our lives, no matter what our pasts are like, no matter what our lives are like, that love for Jesus will carry us to him if we just accept it and we move towards it. And so she shows that, and that's such an amazing first step by showing that courage. And it mentions the alabaster jar. Uh, and so that's expensive, obviously. So Jewish ladies at the time would carry like a flask of perfume around their necks. And so it didn't have like a handle on it, and it would be poured out for whatever perfume's used for, I, I guess to make them smell nice or something, right? Good, okay. It seemed like nobody here knew what perfume was, so that's okay. Uh, anyway, so alabaster is a super expensive version. I'm talking like beyond Calvin Klein, or some brand that people that know perfume aside just from commercials would say. But really, really expensive. And so she pours it on his feet. And so we see right away, in this time especially, that's the dirtiest part of the body. It's always the grossest part of the body. But that's the dirtiest part of the body. Because he's walking everywhere. He didn't have new Nikes or boots or anything. So like sandals, sometimes barefoot, walking in the sun, or sand. And so she pours it on his feet. And so again, this shows... As long as she can be near Jesus, that's all she cares about. That's all she wants. And so she pours it on the dirtiest part. She kisses the dirtiest part. There's also another reason for that. See, at the time when people would eat, uh, they would kind of recline in like little couch things. And so they would recline with their head up near the table. It's how Rob still eats, actually. And so it's very, uh, I guess it's good for digestion or something. But it's very different from what we do, obviously. And so the feet were probably the only part of him that she could get to. But that's enough for her because she just needed to be near Jesus. She just needed Jesus. She saw him. She knew him. She had heard of him. She knew her issues. She knew her past. She knew everything she struggled with. And she knew that she just had to get to Jesus. If she could just get to Jesus, she'd be okay. If she could just show him her devotion, her love. And so it mentions her flowing hair. That was very, very immodest at the time. And so again, it's showing this amazing bravery, this amazing courage, knowing that the Pharisee is sitting there probably just fuming. And it says that he just thinks these things, so it shows a little bit of decorum, a little bit of judgment there, but I guarantee that his face was giving it away too. You know how sometimes you're like, I'm, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, but your face is like... <laughs> like that? And so... It, it, it's, that's probably what's going on. So she sees that, but all she really sees is Jesus. But what this shows us more than that is the heart of each of these people. Because we see her heart. Her heart is so yearning, so filled with Jesus, that nothing is stopping her. Knowing what everybody thinks, knowing what everybody knows about her, knowing what she's done, knowing her past knowing that she has to pour stuff on his feet, knowing that she's going into a dangerous place, knowing that it's scary, all these things. Jesus is in her heart. That's what she's going for. And the Pharisee is love for himself and love for what he thinks things should look like and what he thinks the world should be and all of that. And so that's all he cares about. He shows a lot of pride. 
And so I have a quote about mind and heart. What consumes your mind controls your life. Jesus once said that you can't serve two masters, and he's referring to God and money, but that refers to a lot of things. And so what consumes your mind also controls your heart. And this woman, regardless of her past, regardless of whatever is known about her, regardless of anything that is going on in her life, that love for Jesus consumes everything. It's everything to her, and she shows it. She's not perfect at all. It says she's not perfect. But she's working to go towards Jesus. She's not letting anything stop her from going towards Jesus. Her mind is focused on Jesus, so her heart is focused on Jesus. Enough to humble herself, enough to endanger herself, enough to, to just be in a dangerous place, in a scary place. And this man, he was very much a judge book by the covers type person. And so he, he was very much showing surface respect. And so he's also showing a good cover because he doesn't really care about the book inside. It's like the cover for my book is really cool. You don't really want to open it, but it's really cool. And so he's judging people by that. And so it shows that his mind immediately goes to what's wrong with her. Now, I would hope that all of us on a good day would be thinking, oh, this person loves Jesus so much. That's so good to see. If somebody came to the altar, came up to pray, oh, this person, it's just they're showing such the desire for Jesus. And I believe that because we've had prayer time. And I've prayed with many of you, and I know that we all have that, that heart for him. But he's looking at this woman and not thinking, wow, she's really putting herself out there for Jesus. He's thinking, ew. That's gross. That's, that's just, what's she doing? I can't believe he's letting her, her be near him. I can't believe. And so it shows again that his mind is so focused on that that it's controlling his life. Now, all of us have worries and stresses and, and struggles. And Sean mentioned the holidays bring up a lot. I know that everybody here is like super excited to go and find out what your third cousin thinks politically. Like it's really exciting <laughs> to know how that's going to work and how that's going to come out. And so, you know, that can be rough. And then we get past Thanksgiving, and then boom, some of you are getting up at 3 in the morning to go to Black Friday. Or Black Thursday, I guess, now. And so, it, it, and then boom, Christmas time. And I should probably start shopping for Christmas at some point here, but that'll be fine. Uh, but Christmas time, and then New Year's, and all this stuff, it just keeps coming. And so this time of year, on good days, like the best of us, we're kind of stressed a little bit. But some of us, we've lost someone. Some of us, maybe it's not the first holiday that you've lost someone for, but maybe it's just a reminder. I know that uh, December 11th is when my great-grandmother passed. And it was way back in 2011 when IU hit the final shot and beat Kentucky, number one Kentucky at the time. But it was still way back there. We're also good this year, so get ready for this season. Uh, it was way back there. And so that comes up every time I hit a holiday. I think about it every time I get a holiday, so a lot of us have that. So on top of the typical daily stress, on top of the way the world is, on top of inflation, on top of everything, there is still loss and there is still grief. And so we all struggle with that and we all deal with that. There's a lot of tough stuff, but there's also a lot to be thankful for because we're all here right now. We all have a place to go on Sunday mornings. We all have a place to go after this. We all have a church family. We, we have a, a, a chance to be better, a chance to grow together, a chance to show the world who Jesus is. And then we have our own lives and we have friends and family and whatever it is that you can focus on good, there are things to be thankful for. 
But most of all, we have the Savior to be thankful for. And we know that when he saw this woman, and we're going to talk about what he said later, when he saw this woman, he didn't have those thoughts in his head. When he sees us, he doesn't have those thoughts in his head. He just says, come to me. Give up your sins. Give up the things that weight you down. Give up everything that you struggle with and come to me and, and, and trust me. And that's what we have to be thankful for. And listen, changing our mindset and being thankful, that doesn't mean that we walk around smiling all the time and, oh, everything's great, because it's not. And that's kind of crazy. Like if you're driving and you have a wreck, like you're not going to think, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you have a wreck. I think we're about to have a little guest. We're going to find out. Uh, we don't have to be necessarily thankful for those bad things. But we can be thankful that we have a God who helps us to learn and grow from those. And a God who helps us to, to find forgiveness and find hope. And so focusing on him, focusing on his love, focusing on his grace, that is what's good. And so let's continue this scripture, verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man, loved, uh, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil uh, to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I want to point out the end before I go to the rest of it. He noticed these things immediately. He noticed that Simon didn't really show him the respect that he needed. He noticed that, that Simon didn't really care about anything other than, than what the looks were. But he didn't point it out until it came up. He didn't do this to shame him. He didn't do this to hurt him. He did this to teach him. He did this to help him. And so he's talking and he's sharing and he's growing. And so we see two amazing things here. We see two amazing things here. First, and this is crazy, Jesus reads his mind. Now, we know that Jesus knows our hearts, and we know that Jesus knows our thoughts, but this is in person. Jesus reads his mind, and you can just imagine this. Imagine Simon the Pharisee. This isn't the disciple, but imagine Simon the Pharisee sitting there, and he's thinking these things about the woman, and that may have been cleaned up a little bit from what he was really thinking. And he's thinking these things about the woman. And then Jesus responds to that. And he's like, oh, oh, no. Okay, anything I do, I cannot think about the fact I didn't do the dishes last night. Like, anything I do, I cannot think about this. And so everything is on his mind. And he suddenly realizes Jesus knows everything. And so Jesus yet does not shame him. If we could read people's minds, I think sometimes we'd really point out stuff. We'd really point out stuff. But Jesus isn't in it for that. He doesn't shame him. The second thing is the parable. And the parable is awesome. Because not only does it show the woman's thankfulness, and that's one of the larger points of it, because much has been forgiven from her. But this also implies that the Pharisee is a sinner. Now think about this for a second. 
Because we all know that we've been sinners. We all know that we can get forgiveness. We all know that we're not perfect. We all know that we've messed up. But the Pharisees, at least most of them, they really put that image out there that we are perfect. You have to look to us as your leaders. You know, we're who you have to be like, not him. And so Jesus tells this story that implies him and the woman have a lot of similarity. Now, it's not the same because he said one is 500 and one is 50, but that's more than the Pharisee probably was willing to admit. And yet Jesus, again, didn't do this to shame him and didn't do it to embarrass him, but to say, listen, we all need forgiveness. We all need love. We all need to, to be thankful for what we can be given. And so for the Pharisee to have a sinner in his home and to be compared, I mean, wow, wow. That's like if somebody came into my home and like compared me with a Purdue fan or something. <laughs> or you with, what, a Michigan fan, something like that, Pittsburgh? Like that is, that's low. And so he's probably fuming at this. And you notice when Jesus asks him, which one? And he answers, he's like, I guess. Like he barely answers and he's probably fuming. And Jesus again reads his mind, so it's kind of continuing to go. Watch out, sweetie. And then he turns to him. And he turns to the woman. And he says, look at this woman. Look at this woman. Because Jesus saw her immediately. I'm not saying saw the woman, saw the perfume, saw everything. He saw her life and her heart and her hopes. And he saw her need for forgiveness. And he saw her past. But he saw past that. All the Pharisee had seen was an annoyance. And so he says, look at her. Look at this woman. Really look at her. And so the Pharisee looks. And then he goes on to talk. And he says, listen. Where you see sin, I see value. I see the possibility for forgiveness. I see the possibility for hope. I see the possibility for, for such amazing work. And that's why each of the disciples came from lives of sin. That's why so many people that, that, that preach the Christian message came from lives of sin. Look at Paul. Look, look all through the Bible. There are people who were forgiven for much. And so they knew how important it was to share. And so he sees that in this woman. I realize it might be tough to pay attention right now, but that's okay. <laughs> and so he sees all of that in this woman, and he sees all of that in us, in each of us. I know for me, sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror, and that's for a lot of reasons. But for each of us, sometimes it's hard to think positively of ourselves. Because we remember the worst things we've done, and sometimes we're often reminded of the worst things we've done. And sometimes it's even hard to ask for forgiveness, or hard to move past that. But Jesus sees us as he sees this woman. He sees us as people who can get a second chance, people who are receiving his love. Because I've said this again, I'll, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He died on the cross for all of us before we were Christians. Because he saw the chance for our, our lives to be better. He saw the hope. He saw what we could do if we just turned to him. And the story, the parable is so simple and so clear. But the meaning is so strong. So strong. Because it's about being thankful for what we have. It's about being thankful for where we came from. It's about being thankful for the chances we have for the future. I have a quote. This is from somebody that I use a lot because he's a wonderful pastor. Mr. Rogers. 
I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person, we happen to be with at the moment. I said that weird. Uh, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. Let me read that again. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. Thankfulness and appreciation go hand in hand. Thankfulness and appreciation go hand in hand. And it's so easy, especially in the way the world is, especially with just everything that we deal with, especially with life. It's so easy to look for the flaws in other people, to look for the places we differ, to look for the things that, that have hurt us in the past, to, to look at our differences. And then it's so easy to look for the flaws in the world. It's so easy to look at the bad things. And I say again, I love the story, and I, I love the story, so I say it a lot, how he started his show. He was training to be a pastor in the seminary, and he came home, and on the TV was just junk. Just like people hitting people with frying pans and, and whatever else happened at the time. I, I didn't have a TV yet. But all of that he saw. And many people, now and then, would have said, this is garbage. We've got to find a way to get rid of this. I'm going to go to Congress, or I'm going to go to, to, to the TV maker people. Spectrum, I guess. I gotta go. We're going to go somewhere, and we're going to stop this. But what he did, he knew the negative. He saw the negative. But what he did was focus on what could be done for God through that tool. He saw the positive. He saw what could happen. He saw the appreciation. And so he goes on to say, when you're with somebody, it doesn't mean to ignore the bad. It doesn't mean to, to be everybody's best friend. But it means look for the good. Look for the positive. Look for the hope. Because that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. Think about all of the things we've done. The things that we've been forgiven about. Some of the things we've never told another person. And God looks at us and he does not see those things. He sees the fact that we've been forgiven. He sees the fact that we are his. And he sees the fact that we are trying. And so if he can do that, he calls us to do that. And I love that part, that God does this all the time. And so we show appreciation for him by giving it to others, by showing it to others. And the Pharisee, I don't know him, obviously. We don't hear a lot about him, although there's probably some historical things written about him. He probably wouldn't have defined himself as a sinner. He probably thought, I've reached the goals, the, the pinnacle. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a holy leader. I got nothing. I'm good. I just help people now, theoretically. But Jesus knew that there was sin there. And so he didn't see himself as a sinner, so he didn't care about forgiveness, didn't care about appreciation, didn't care about thankfulness. The woman, though, she knew she was a sinner, and I would guarantee she was reminded of that every time she walked out of her house. She knew all of that, and so the two hearts again are shown. The two hearts again are shown because God loves them both the same. God loves them both the same. I will say this too. It could be tremendously easy 
to look at this. <laughs> and there are people in the world, not in this room, that, no, there are people in the world, <laughs> there are people in the world who would see this as such a distraction that they would turn off anything I'm saying, that they would turn off anything Jesus is saying to their hearts. But what I see here is such hope for the future. You don't know her as well as I do, obviously. That'd be weird. But she has such tremendous confidence and such tremendous hope. And she's entering a phase where she loves God. And I brought her some Jesus books that the library gave away, and she pointed out that it was God. And she has a Christian song that she loves, and she likes being in church a little too much right now, but she likes being in church. And this is what we're doing it for, not just her, but for the future. We are building it for the future. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. That's what Mr. Rogers is trying to say. We are to set the example because we get it. And we're supposed to show it to other people. We're supposed to help other people see it, not like the Pharisee did. And the woman absolutely got this, even though she wasn't perfect, even though she'd had a lot of flaws. She knew that she needed him more than anything. Sometimes it's really hard to look for good. Really hard. I will share this too. Uh, when I was growing up, I've told you that I'm public speaking, didn't plan on being up here, all that stuff. This isn't about that. This is personal. I assumed and I hoped that by the time I was, say, 25, I would be married with kids and just kind of have the life that I pictured. Two and a half kids. <laughs> I was not. I am not. That can be hard sometimes. It can be hard at the holidays. Uh, it can be very difficult sometimes to be around other couples. Not that I'm saying if you're a couple, stay away from me, because I don't mean that. But it can be difficult. It can be difficult to see what I don't have, and it's easy to focus on that. And so I was at a place when I came to Ohio where I'd lost my grandmother, I'd moved from my home. I had no idea what was going to happen in a new state, a state that didn't even understand basketball existed. <laughs> Seriously, when I, the first thing I did when I drove around looking for places to live, there are no basketball goals anywhere. That explains why Ohio State's kind of iffy. Um, just joking. Just joking. Hey. See, I'm just making sure you're focusing on what I'm saying. And so I was in a very negative place. And I was doing my job, and I loved reaching the teens, and I was preaching a little more, not more than now, but more than I had been. But my heart was heavy every day. Because again, I, I love my parents and my sister, and I have family, I have friends, but, but my great-grandmother, she was my, my world for a long time. And it was very hard. And then three and a half years ago, three and a half years ago, this was born. And I'm not her father, but she calls me Papa, and I get to be with her all the time. I just watched her for a weekend, and that's why I'm going to fall asleep in like five minutes. <laughs> but I get to be with her all the time, and she looks at me with love and hope. And it's not quite the same as what I'd wanted, but it's God saying, hey, Look for what's good and be patient because I'm still working. 
And my, my mindset changed a little bit. It's not that I'm never sad. But my mindset changed a little bit that day, and it's been able to grow. And I've had other people that I'm able to, to be father-like to. And I've been able to find family outside of blood. And again, it's not the same. But it's God saying, if you only focus on what you don't have, that's all you'll ever see. Like the Pharisee. But if you focus on what I can give you, if you focus on my hope I offer, if you focus on the future I offer, if you focus on the love and you show thankfulness, you show appreciation, you will feel it in such a different way. Next verse, 47. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, uh, so she has shown me such much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man uh, that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her sins were forgiven before this moment. And yet they were forgiven because she showed such humility and such love and such devotion and such repentance and such trust and such love for Jesus above everything. Again, this was a dangerous place. This isn't like coming to church and talking to to, to a pastor or to a staff member or to somebody that you trust because we're pretty safe here. This is going to a place you are unwelcome, going to a place where someone thinks of you as less than a person. And she did that, and so her sins were forgiven. And Jesus taught another lesson here too, one that we need to learn sometimes. You see, after he said, your sins are forgiven to the woman, the other men started piping up. And they said, but who's he? That was their voice. Who's he? How can he forgive sins? Who does he think he is? And you know, they probably said worse things than that. Now, many of us would have stopped, looked over, and started arguing. Back to Thanksgiving dinner. Started arguing, started proving our point, started making sure we were seen as correct. What he did, though, what he did, though, was know that he is correct by not even paying attention to it. He looked back at the woman and he said, your faith has saved you. I love that line. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's what saves us. Our faith in him. Our faith in hope. Our faith in a future. Our faith in doing better. Our faith in everything that we can do through him has saved us. And that's how we get through the trouble. That's how we get through the strife. That's how we get through the difficult times. That's how we get through the distractions. That's how we get through the Pharisees. Our faith has saved us. And he says that. He doesn't need to prove himself right because he knows he is right. And he's in it for a different reason. We are in it for a different reason. Life can be hard. No one doubts that. There are lots of things going on and there's a lot of hurting. But our faith is what saves us. The peace he gives us is what saves us. So we keep working. We keep growing. We keep trying. I have one more quote. This is from Vincent Van Gogh. Before I read this, don't copy everything he's done. Do you hear what I say? Okay, good. If you don't get that, have somebody explain it after. I am still far from being what I want to be, but with God's help, I shall succeed. I love that line because that's what this woman was living out. That's what we all can say 
Because there is never going to be a point, like the Pharisee thought, there's never going to be a point where it's like, oh, we've arrived. I've got it. I've got it down. I'm never going to mess up again. I'm perfect. Never. Not in this life. And so we always can say, I'm still far from being where I want to be. But with God's help, with faith in God, with appreciation for God, with thankfulness for God, with hope in God, I can succeed. That goes for each of us individually. It goes for us as a church. It goes for us in life, in everything that we face. This is a very hard world to live in. And a lot of times there's a real shortage of goodness to be thankful for. But we serve the ultimate example of it. And so maybe, instead of looking really hard and focusing on the fact there's not enough goodness out there, we can show some of that goodness so other people can see it. And that's what Jesus did every step of the way. And that's what we are called to do. And that's what we can do. Because he loves us just as much as he loves anybody else. I actually had a little conversation with her last night. And she's at the why stage, like from the video. And we were talking about the fact that she needed to eat something because she wasn't feeling good. And, and I'm being very scientific. Like, you know, if you eat it, then it goes to your brain and your kidneys and all this stuff and the energy and blah, 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 like the dinosaur that poops. That makes sense if you were with us. And she said, I said, she's like, why? And I said, well, because God made our bodies like that. He made us so we can get better. He made us so we can grow, so we can learn. Not as preachy to her, but I said it. And she's like, why? And I said, well, because he loves us. And then she said, why? And that's a hard one sometimes. But he does. He loves us completely, and he created us to show that love, to be examples of that love, to grow in that love. And so as we go towards Thanksgiving, I'm not saying ignore all the problems. I'm not saying just be overly positive. I'm saying focus on him first. Focus on his love first. Focus on his forgiveness first. Focus on his grace first. And then allow him to help you to be an example of how to do the rest. That's all I got.